0: My brain has become a collision course of random thoughts. Some trivial, but some well worth the wonder. Sometimes I think I'm losing my mind. Not sure of anything anymore. It's the same anxiety I have when I think I've forgotten how to tie my tie, or tie my shoelaces, or I've forgotten how to swallow my food and I'm going to choke on it. Three days ago, I was standing in front of our bathroom mirror in terror because I couldn't knot my tie. I wanted to say, Sally, please come in here and help me, but I couldn't. What would she have thought? Last night, I spit a piece of steak into my napkin rather than risk swallowing it because I was afraid I would choke. Maybe it's trivial, and that's why no one wants to talk about it, so I am talking to myself. No one wants to listen to who we really are. Know somebody, really. No, you leave shit stains in your underwear and pick your nose tell a woman you've forgotten how to swallow your food and she's in her car and out of your life before you can say wait there's more sometimes I have to think about someone else when I'm with you because I'm afraid I won't stay hard if I don't or how much I want to fuck the teenage daughter of the couple that lives three doors down how my father takes all the air out of the room and I can't breathe when I'm with him How, if I could tear my breast open and rip out my heart and feed it to these seagulls in little raw pieces, that pain would be nothing to the one I already feel, the pain of your betrayal. How most afraid I am of losing you. How can I tell you these things and there be love?
1: The theater, the theater. 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 To be or not to be. Theater. Theater.
2: Theater. The plays the <laughs> contained. <laughs> Hi, friends. Hey Hello. friends. Hello.
3: <laughs> Hello. I'm going to eat this
0: carrot. I'll yeah. eat on. that carrot
3: that your PA, your pretend assistant,
0: brought on air. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs>
3: ASMR, ooh, yeah, uh, no. You, did. <laughs> you didn't You
0: heal that. It. It's unhealed. Your face was Listen, pretty, it was dark
2: pretty dark spectacular.
3: It's good for you. Get that in your belly.
0: Mm, I appreciate it. Hey, um, y'all, before we get into anything today, I know we probably have some new listeners who won't care about this, but I care on a previous episode. <laughs> oh. I don't know if it was talk radio or if it was, it was, uh, wait, who was our last playwright? I don't remember. Inesco. Inesco, right. Um, I I said something. We were talking about young adult novels that sort of were the first time we experienced. That were horny. Yeah, like kind of horny things in young adult novels. Yeah, mine was Christopher Pike. Right. I talked uh, (laughs) specifically about a book called Crash, which I said I believed was was by Louis Sakaar, who wrote Holes. It's not. It's not by him. (laughs) I'm really upset with myself that I said that. It's by Jerry Spinelli. Another very famous uh, writer of young adult novels. horny stuff for boys. Yeah, it's horny stuff.
3: I want to know more about holes. We should do that for an stuff or
0: something. I love holes. <laughs> I love all kinds of holes. All kinds of holes. Well, do you guys remember Matt Christopher? It? Do you know who Matt Christopher was? It sounds familiar. He was a, uh, he wrote books like sport novels, fiction novels. For okay, kids. that
3: sounds right.
0: And specifically, I remember my dad and I got like a book on tape of one of them because I had read one that I really liked. And he was like, well, I'll get one when we go on this camping trip. I was like, great. And we put it in. And one of the first early chapters, this kid who plays baseball and I'm all pumped. I'm like, it's this baseball story. His cousin comes to stay with them and he like watches her in the shower. And I remember my dad and I being like, this is for 12
3: year olds. (laughs) And that's just going to escalate, y'all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sounds like welcome. a Stephen King book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to this podcast. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, I don't apologize. Uh, sorry, not sorry.
3: Listen to the other episodes.
0: That's right. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham.
2: I'm CJ Merriman. Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah, and I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. This week we begin our new mini series covering the works of the late. Terrence McNally. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's pod together, cast apart. <laughs> Episode one. one. I'm proud of that one. That's a good one. Um, and what three plays will we be discussing, CJ?
3: We're going to start with lips together, teeth apart. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to move into a little bit of ragtime. Oh! And then we're going to close it out with Corpus Christi. That's over
2: that's right. two
0: episodes.
2: That's covering a few episodes. Right. That's correct. So you got to listen to both
0: jerks. Sweeping
2: statements.
0: Today, we're definitely going to get through Lips Together, Teeth Apart. Um, We're probably going to talk a little bit about Ragtime. And also, just so you know, I've had a couple people uh, talk to me about this. Um, If you're a new listener, just understand that if you're going to go take a test on this, Play later, this will, is not the podcast you will for you. Fail. <laughs>
2: you will fail. You we're will not, not be given the, the correct you, you will not be correct. <laughs> no, you won't.
0: We uh we're not stepping through the plot. We're not really even like dissecting it moment for moment. We are taking a macro look to bring it back to the time that it was written and the playwright's life and what that looks like. That's kind of what we like to nerd out on. And then we talk about casts and we talk about awards and shit like that. It's just really nerdy. It's really It's really nerdy.
2: You won't pass a test, but you'll be cool as shit. That's right. It's the idea was, uh, and we've talked about this many times. I was just talking to somebody about it this week that uh, this all started with us shit talking shows at a bar. Yeah. (laughs) After seeing shows and it evolved into, let's talk about these playwrights. Right. (laughs) What did you say, seed? The safety tree. The safety tree.
0: We have a safety tree? You've been. Oh, the, oh okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was <laughs> it's inside three
2: street yeah. across from the theater where Got it
0: may. Or
2: may not smoke marijuana. It's
3: legal. It's on fun. occasion.
2: Yeah, we're in California. Fuck.
3: it. Sometimes everyone never. No, never, I've
0: never done that. Never,
3: never. mom and dad, never. never.
0: Uh, so <laughs> I'm really, I'm really pumped about this one. Uh, I have some fun context with them. Um, we should. I, Scott, I know. I'm gonna throw it to you for Whoa. you know what. Yeah, but I, I think we should say to start it all off that Terrence did pass from COVID
2: yeah it's in my shit it's in, it's it. in my shit it's in the notes and it's coming yeah up.
0: and so this is we you know it's been almost a year it's just over a year. Just, mm-hmm. over a year just over a year oh oh just over a year yeah. right it was so March i just feel like this is a good time to cover him a good time to really dissect uh some of these plays and i'm kind of interested in the three that we chose because i don't know that they're his best three um so i <laughs> right right um but Obviously we have a lot of honor, love, and respect for McNally and everything that he's done. Uh, he
2: was a trooper, like, I mean, yeah. like, he did it. He worked yeah. as a writer for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's highs and lows in, in there to be sure. But yeah, sure. it's, you know, he's 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 kind of a badass in a lot of ways and uh, we'll get into it.
0: We love, we stan, uh, I'm excited. So, first off, something we do here uh, I'm going to pass it over to Scott for some, um, scott Yes. Well, Scottopedia. Okay, you guys ready for this? I'm yes. so ready. Are you
2: ready for this? Yes. yes. Terrence McNally was born November 3rd, 1938 in St. Saint Peter- Saint Petersburg, Florida. Wow. To Hubert Arthur and Dorothy Catherine... McNally, uh, they were two transplanted New Yorkers from Irish Catholic backgrounds. Uh, his parents ran a seaside bar and grill called the Pelican Club. But after mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, but after a hurricane destroyed the establishment, uh, the family bounced around and eventually landed in get ready for it, Corpus Christi. Texas. Oh.
1: You don't see. Oh,
2: I oh, don't see. Yeah. Um, despite his distance from New York City, McNally's parents enjoyed Broadway musicals. When McNally was eight years old, his parents took him to see Annie Get Your Gun, starring Ethel Merman. Oh, my God i know
0: that's amazing and also that musical has aged really well thank you not so much
3: (laughs) 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 sarcastic every
0: time
2: every time the name ethel merman comes up i am reminded of the story which is uh i can't even remember what the show was. i think it was gypsy but after gypsy she classically went running and she would yell at the stage crew, "Out of my way, cunts! The merms gotta pee." <laughs> <laughs> and so I no, just Ethel. Um, the merms, the merms. The, morm. the fact that she man. called herself the merm is awesome. Yeah. Um McNally saw um uh, Gertrude Lawrence in The King and I. Uh, wow. McN- McNally later said, uh when I saw On the Town with Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly and Jules munchen with the Staten Island Ferry and the Empire State Building, I said that's where I want to live and I never regretted it. Ah. Yeah, right. Uh McNally displayed a talent for writing and eventually ended up at Columbia where he uh earned a BA in English. In 1961, McNally was hired by non- novelist John Steinbeck to tutor his two teenage sons, sons as the Steinbeck family took a cruise around the world. On the cruise, McNally completed a draft of what became the opening act for And Things That Go Bump in the Night, which was his full first full-length play. Gotcha. Steinbeck uh, asked McNally to write the libretto for a musical version of the novel East of Eden. Mm, interesting. Hmm, interesting. He spent some time. That wouldn't him. be good. I no, that's not. That is not
0: good. Father be straight up. For that would not be good.
2: Not good father for a musical. Okay,
0: as long uh, as we're on the same page.
2: But uh, well, we'll get into Ragtime later. I was about to. I was about to disparage it. But um, oh, really? Yeah, maybe I won't. I don't know. Oh. We'll see what my feelings are. I Wonder later.
3: what Bailey thinks. <laughs> you'll you'll d- never uh, know.
2: You'll. D- never we know. will eventually. <laughs> <laughs> we will. I'd better. <laughs> he uh, he spent some time in Mexico where he focused on his writing and produced an early play that he submitted to the actor's studio. The hmm. play was rejected by the studio, but they were so impressed with what what he had sent in that they offered McNally a stage manager job so that he could uh, gain a practical knowledge of the theater. Oh. His earliest full length play, The Side of the Door, uh, deals with a sensitive boy's battle, uh, battle of wills, excuse me, with his overbearing father uh, and was produced at the actor's studio in a workshop in 1962. (laughs) Um, In 1964, his next play, and Things That Go Bump in the Night, uh, put homosexuality squarely on stage, which brought him the ire of New York City's very conservative theater critics. We don't think about this, but really, it wasn't until the 80s, late 70s, 80s, that we see this emergence of a new kind of theatrical criticism mm. uh, especially in America but it was, it was very very highly uh, conservative uh, it opened at the Royale Theater on Broadway to generally negative reviews. The play explores the psychosocial dynamic of anxiety that leads one to preemptively and defensively accuse others of creating problems that in actuality result from one's own insecurity. So mm. maybe those uh, themes are going to come up again shortly in one of our deep dives maybe in his early years in new york city mcnally's interest in theater brought him to a party where departing he shared a cab with one mr edward alby who had recently written the zoo story and *A sandbox uh and they basically functioned as a couple for the next four years uh during which time alby wrote the american dream and who's afraid of virginia wolf yeah, but McNally was very frustrated by Albie's lack of openness about his sexuality, and huh. eventually that broke up the relationship. Huh. He spent most of his early career focused on decrying the Vietnam War, satirizing uh, stale family dynamics, mock sexual mores, uh, and became uh, a part of the social protest movement of the 60s and early 70s right on. Uh, He spent uh, most of his time uh, working the shit out of it during that time. Like he was writing, writing as a professional writer Hmm. and was really focusing on his craft. Um, After his relationship with Albie, McNally entered into a long-term relationship with the actor and director Robert Drievis. Drievis and McNally broke up as a couple in 1976, but they remained very close friends uh, until Drievis died of age-related complications in the mid-80s. This will, uh, of course, have a huge impact on his career. Um, After a brief stint in Hollywood, he returned to New York and formed an artistic relationship with the Manhattan Theater Club that would last throughout the rest of his career, Uh, the rapid of aids fundamentally changed his writing and and focused him in a whole new direction uh mcnally only truly became successful with works uh such as the off-broadway production of frankie and johnny and the claire de lune and its screen adaptation with al pacino and michelle pfeiffer uh his first broadway musical was the rink in 1984. Mm -hmm. uh it was a uh, candor and ebb um composition and, and lyrics, but they would already written it uh, and then gave him their writings for him to write the book for it, uh, or for the libret- libretto. Um, in 1999, McNally won an Emmy Award for Best Writing in a Miniseries or Special for Andre's Mother, a drama about a woman coping with her son's death from AIDS. It was sort of mm-hmm. one of those early um, uh, AIDS movies and projects that sort of galvanized people. McNally was partnered uh, to Tom Curtehy, excuse me, a Broadway producer and formal civil rights attorney, uh, gosh, I'm having a hard time, uh, for nonprofit AIDS organizations uh, following a civil union ceremony in Vermont in December of 2003. They officially married in Washington, D.C. on April 6, 2010. Um, When given his Tony for Lifetime Achievement in June of 2019, he began his acceptance speech by saying, Lifetime Achievement? Not a moment too soon. Uh, he wore a canola and he appeared to be short of breath. McNally died at Sarasota Memorial Hospital in Sarasota, Florida on March 24th, 2020 from complications resulting from coronavirus. <laughs> but what a fucking career. He had five Jesus. Tonys.
3: Five, Jesus Christ.
2: Five yeah. Tonys, American Theater Hall of Fame, American Academy of Arts and Letters. Um, he uh, he got an Emmy Award, two Guggenheim Fellowships, a yeah. Rockefeller grant four Drama Desk Awards, two Lucille Lortel Awards, two Obie's, and uh, three uh, Whole Warner Awards. Um, Joshua Christ. Yeah, right? (laughs) Indeed. And um, this is the coolest thing. And for McNally, the most important function of theater was to create community and bridge rifts opened between people by differences in religion, race, gender, and particularly sexual orientation. Uh, Yeah, he was a hell of a Mm. dude. It was a hell of a life and a hell of a career. And um and and he was just cool like you you watch interviews with him and stuff and um in part 2 when we get to uh Corpus Christi um Brian Krasner roommate friend of the pod uh has a fantastic hmm. um Terence McNally story that I will share with everyone Oh awesome cool yeah. hell yeah uh
0: i mean speaking of uh experience with the McNally himself uh let's talk about our context we love some context um, you know, uh, who wants to go first?
3: I'll go first just because <laughs> okay. it's short. Um, yeah. I know this is going to surprise everybody, but very little for me. <laughs> they, <laughs> let's see, I think my junior year in college, one of the directing majors who was a year ahead of me, she did, uh, Frankie and Johnny at the Claire de Lune as oh, cool. her directing project. Um, so I've seen that play. I know that it was in Stage Three, which was our haunted, crumbling theater. But mm. um, that's all I remember about it. <laughs> I can't even remember the two people that were in it, to be honest.
0: Wow.
1: Mm.
3: Sorry, guys. Sorry, Webster. Bailey. <laughs> that's it. What about though?
0: you, Scott? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, you go. Uh, I, you know, mine's you know kind of interesting. I've seen a couple of his plays. I've seen Frankie and Johnny um uh, that was also a college production um not at hogwarts it was at ku um we a few of us from hogwarts went over and saw it at uh, university of kansas uh, i think it was a student project it was good um and i've seen uh lips together teeth apart mm. uh in kansas city i can't remember the name of the theater company i'll look that up i should have looked that up before we did this it was fantastic um really loved the production uh and kind of From there, ended up reading *Corpus Christi*, Uh, and then I got to do two months uh, in Reno, Nevada, at a casino in the Full Monty. Yes. uh, Yes. Where I was full nude. (laughs) Yes. um, At the end of the show every night, uh, I played Dave Bukatinsky. He's the the bigger guy whose arc is in the full two and a half hour show. his arc is the best arc because it's just all about he and his wife like having troubles and he's like eating candy bars on the toilet while she's like banging on the door trying to talk to him about his feelings and it's so good um, but we did a casino cut of it, so it was a ninety minute version, and a lot of that got cut um but we got to rehearse the full version because before we left we were supposed to do a run at the uh the saban or the saban mm-hmm. what is it called yeah, yeah, I think yeah it
3: saban the saban the
0: saban? Yeah. saban i don't know um <laughs> whatever the fuck it is uh we were supposed to do a run there and uh like last second they canceled something happened and and they were just like we can't put it up it's not going to happen or whatever and we oh, were no. like Crap. So we had been rehearsing the full length version for weeks. And then they're like, all right, now we're cutting it down to the 90 minute casino version. And we were like, okay. And all my shit got cut and it was really sad. No. Not my song. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs uh, I've gotten to sing on stage. It's that um, you rule my world where he's singing to his belly uh, with his shirt off uh, on stage. And it was, it was a big deal for me. And then at the end of the show, They do the full dance and they rip off their their g strings in the final moment, and we'd hold it there for a couple seconds, and then the lights would would uh, backlight us so that you couldn't see very well. But we you were there for a couple seconds before that happened. It was you know, and sometimes the call didn't come. Sometimes the call (laughs) didn't come, and we'd all stand there and be like, "What's happening?" And then it would pop. (laughs) Um, But that's what happens when you're in Reno, Nevada, doing um, casino theater. A lot of people would come also wearing sunglasses. At the end, they'd put on their sunglasses. We'd start seeing people put them on, and it was so that the backlight wouldn't mess up their vision. They could still see our painting.
2: (laughs) See the the wangs. Yeah, so that was fun.
0: I did it for two months. I ate a lot of buffet food and mimosas uh, at the casino. Uh, I... Partied in Reno for two months. Actually, I ended up staying for two more months to do the producers. I've talked about that before, but so four months in Reno. Uh, four months I'll never get back, but that I'll never forget. It sounds uh, like
3: fun. It yeah. was fun.
0: It, it was good times. It was kind of like tour life where you didn't have to tour, um, uh-huh. and we were just just doing casinos, and it was it was really really. It, uh, uh, it was dirty and weird and gross and filthy sure. and awful, but it was also the best. And I yeah. won like $4,000 one night in a casino. <laughs> and I was like, and then I never gambled again. The whole time I was there, I was like, I, I'm stopping there. I did it. Yeah. I yeah, know. yeah wow. Yeah. yeah you yeah. got to stop.
3: Nice self-control there. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't, I, I I don't have a super addictive personality when it comes to gambling. I feel like that's one of those things that I've always seen as like, that's a bit silly gambling like right like i could buy better things with my money but then when i when i did it i was like this is fun and then i had a really hot day it was great um i was also (laughs) wasted and i don't know how i pulled it off so um that's my context with terrence mcnally uh i'm in love with the full monty am i in love with ragtime we'll find out (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah, I've got, I had, you know, when I went, I was like, oh, I I haven't done or seen a lot. But when I went back and sort of did the calculations, like, oh, I did, I did do a lot. Uh, I did, um, uh, I did a a very small workshop production of Frankie and Johnny. And then I did, uh, a scene from it for the American College Theater Festival for Irene Ryan's, the Irene Ryan Awards. Mm. I did a scene from Frankie and Johnny. Um I've love seen those. uh I love those.
0: I've seen a lot of Corpus Christi scenes in Irene Ryan's. Oh, sure, a ton of sure, them. Oh sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. I bet. Uh, like oh, I think I've seen the whole play through <laughs> Irene Ryan's.
2: <laughs> it makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. Um go ahead.
2: But I got to see uh Lips Together teeth the part. Uh I've seen several of of, of his other shows. Um And I did a reading and a workshop thing. I've done a lot of scene work from Lips Together, Teeth Apart.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And easy to pull for scene work for, especially for classes. Oh yeah. Yeah. For for sure. sure.
2: And um, yeah, so he's sort of been sort of quietly omnipresent, you know, as I came up and and as I keep going back to theater and I think it's because he's you know, he has his plays, and they all seem to have sort of this um, focus and themes that he covers and and goes back to. But then he's goes off and he does these the the musics and the, these librettos and and things that give give his career and his his canon a whole different kind of spectrum. Like it's pretty, it's a pretty wide swath of of stuff. Not yeah. all of it works, but. Um, most of it is, uh, and some of it's tricky. And when we get into lips together, teeth apart, there's there's a few big traps in it that I have discovered. I and, and rereading it, I'm like, ah, oh, motherfucker! Like now I get it, and, and there are things I understand. So as we d- dive Ooh, into were... that, go ahead y'all
3: were mentioning about how you saw a lot of mcnally scenes and stuff in school the thing that caught my eye was when i first started reading lips together teeth apart at, at the top of it it says for wendy wasserstein which was school mm-hmm. for me like that oh, yeah had- that was all. I I did a couple Wasserstein scenes. I mm. think yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. one that was always Lady. The heavy Heidi
2: form. Chronicles was huge.
3: Yes, yeah, the yes, hi- I think I have mean, it somewhere on my bookshelf.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I once uh, that and I, Crimes I, of the Heart are probably the two biggest. Beth like,
3: Henley. Yeah. <laughs> the yes. Beth Henley shows and are the ones you. We've seen discussed this before too. Humana Festival and
0: Humana Festival. <laughs> no, there's sometimes though you find some things in Humana. There's one. It's For like sure Hurricane Gordo or something like that. That is like a mm-hmm. phenomenal play that was in humanity. Like, yeah. I love some of the humanity. But
2: oh, no, like, no. I mean, that's what it's there for is, you know, you'll get one or two gems every year and then yeah. you'll get some, it's you know. It's like
0: Hollywood
3: Fringe. I've seen some of the best shit I've ever seen on stage there and then I've seen some real stinkers too. That's right. So. Uh,
0: you know, and I think hopefully people in, in theater school and, and scene studies and stuff will start picking up the Kilroy list more. That's something I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm hoping gets some more play yep. because I've yep. been trying to push that on people for years, honestly, since I found out about it, um, maybe like ten years ago or so, and yeah. it's like, whoa, how is that not in every scene study? People need to be pulling up the Kilroy list. If you don't know what the Kilroy list is, go look it up. It's fucking awesome. I have it somewhere behind me on my shelf. Yeah. Um, and they put out a one every year, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, I, I just had a weird. they Go ahead.
2: Oh, uh, it's just I, I have I just had a weird Wendy Wasserstein flashback. I had. To do... <laughs> I had to do this. I I had to do the Heidi Chronicles, and it was there was a mismatched number in the class. So I had to do this scene from the Heidi Chronicles with two different actresses, the same (gasps) scene. And one of them, I was really into her, and she was god awful. (gasps) The other one, who I didn't care for, was really fucking good. And it was a really interesting. Hey, wow, I just wow, flashback, man. Wow. Just- flashback! <laughs> I
0: haven't done Have half- you guys ever done the, the theater exercise? We're go- we're digressing hard, but I don't care. It's right. like, we're, <laughs> this is our podcast. Um Have you guys <laughs> ever done the theater exercise called splash scenes? Splash. Or at least scenes. that's what they called it at, at Hogwarts. It's so Extreme. it's this Yeah, it's really cool. So the whole class learns one scene, and then everybody can play opposite each other no matter what oh, right yeah, yeah yeah. so you do oh. like a, a male female scene or something that doesn't have to have a uh, gender related or whatever it may be and then you allow people to um do the scenes together but you never allow them to do the whole scene together so two people will start let's say scott and cj start and then the teacher would walk around the room and then maybe like six seven eight lines in she taps me i would go replace scott and i have to Re, I have to replace him and his energy. I have to bring a new <gasps> energy to the oh, scene I try uh, that. or at least a new intention to the scene, no matter what he was playing. I have to bring a different thing oh, so yeah. and it doesn't have to be opposite necessarily just different a different choice and then um the and then the other person gets swapped out and then you get swapped out, and sometimes one person stays in for a few if they're not right. connecting or whatever and it's it's more of a way to just constantly be partnering with new people and figuring out what oh I was in this mode where we were playing this really soft you came in you know full volume uh screaming at me standing on the couch okay I gotta how do you flip that how do you transition and also justify it Mm. yeah can you also justify that right and then the best part about it is then you start adding on once you get good at at the scene we can do it for weeks. You just do that the whole class, but she starts adding things like, okay, you have asthma now and you're having all an right. asthma attack the whole scene, go. Or like sometimes she'll say, uh, bring in a gift today. So on, on Monday, we're going to do it again, bring a gift. And we all knew what that meant. And what that meant was you have to bring an idea that you can bring to the scene that isn't in the text. So huh. like it could be like having a heart attack, right? It could be like, oh, crap, I'm having a heart attack now, but you have to justify it in the scene, and the person has to justify their lines to what you're doing. And it it starts to do the kind of thing where, you know, when you think about your name too much or a word too much and it loses meaning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of does that to the text for you so that cool. then when you do the scene again fully with one person completely in it, you're just like... It's kind of a Meisner esque thing where you've just said it so many times and you've done it in so many different ways that it's like the only way to do it is honest. It's like the only other that. way to do I it. Love I love that. that. I love it's it. It's one of my favorite exercises ever. I'm getting chills. I miss theater so much. I'm kind of <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I God, know. Here. Me too. <laughs> it's it's bad. Bad. Um, it's bad. But let's let's go ahead and get into it. We've digressed hard enough. I really want to eat this carrot. Eat Take it. a bite. The, Take a big bite. I do. I want to, but it's dirty. It's been in the ground. No, the dirt's good for you. Dirt's
2: good for you. <laughs> it's all right. that's actually not true. He should wash off the carrot. It's the peeling of the carrot that he doesn't have to worry about. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Good Look, for your l- immune l- system. Listen, CJ. We all can only imagine the things that you've put in your mouth. So
1: whoa! Moms. I can only I'm imagine the slat things slat that you
2: have put
0: flat in your butt. Okay. <laughs> what? Which means well, also, my face. mouths and butts are the same thing. Okay. The same thing. So uh if you don't know why you should go back and listen to like our third episode i think is when that started hey
3: hey new people listen to our other shit
0: go yeah. to carol churchill start there <laughs> um we okay. dare you our first coverage our first play we're covering i'm just trying to finish my dirty carrot um <laughs> You're it looks so good and it's like it's fine um <laughs> lips together teeth apart uh Which, CJ, do you mind if, would you mind breaking it down? CJ's Breakdown.
3: A gay community in Long Island provides an unlikely setting for two upper middle class square couples spending the 4th of July weekend in a house inherited by Sally from her brother who died of AIDS. Through monologues heard only by the audience, the characters reveal a desperate sense of individual isolation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking (laughs) of speaking of uh, acting exercises, did y'all ever do the one where two people are doing a scene and two other people are giving their inner monologues?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think I can remember that freshman year. Or there is like
0: a similar thing where you get to turn and tell your subtext to the audience.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. After you said a
0: line, yeah. Um, That that kind of is how this feels at first.
2: Yeah, it's, am I right? Yeah, agreed. It's, it's structurally uh, weird because it, it it flows and evolves into not that. Yeah. So there are sides. There are sides that are to the audience, and I've seen it played a couple different ways. Some somewhere it's not to the audience; it's just out. Yeah, and some where it's a little bit more specified, but then that kind of goes away. For a little bit, and then it kind of comes back, but maybe it doesn't, and maybe you could play it a couple different ways. What I love about it is that he's not specific in his text about this is an aside. Yeah. Right, right. You kind of have to figure it out, um, which is fantastic for. You know, you know, a four person and a great director, like just working this out.
0: It's yeah, cool. I don't I don't normally listen to the L.A. Theater works um, uh, of our plays just because I, I, I just, you know, read them and then don't think to do it. But on CJ's suggestion, I was like, you know, I should I should listen to this one because I've seen it. I've read it. I would I would love to experience this in a new way. So I kind of did the the radio version of it. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, Kristen Johnston is uh, Chloe. Shit. Oh wow. Um and it's it's good. It was really fun. It was really fun to listen to and what they did that I liked because it was all sound. Like how do you how do you do those aside's, right? They would you know how there's a constant breeze going and there's mm-hmm. wind in the opening mm-hmm. stage direction he even says like things should be blowing in the wind. We want to see the <laughs> Jerk. wind. Yeah, which is kind of fun I think for a tech designer. I think that you oh, know yeah, uh, this is a designer's should... level.
2: It's a designer's dream. A, yeah. the mu- there the has mute- to be a pool. There has <laughs> yeah. to be a swimming pool. There's, you know, the under the house, but then like just the sound design. Like he yeah. gives you some really fantastic music. Right. So that's what kind of, they yeah. did
0: in the um in the actual LA Theater Works production is anytime they did an aside, whatever sound was going on behind them, which is kind of a constant thing in the in the uh show and we'll talk about that uh, that's symbolism later but it it would diminish the sound behind them whether it be the waves or the wind or the music and then they would kind of have this like ambient tone mm-hmm. to them sort of and it really worked for me it was sort of like if you did this in a big house you would put mics on them and have it sort of echo or like mm-hmm. you know um, and I, uh, I really liked that also Kirsten Johnston sorry Kristen Johnston uh, of third rock mm-hmm. from the sun fame and uh, Ivana Hump a lot is how I <laughs> that's, <always> right. Think. <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> from right by who shagged me um, is quite good in it. After reading that Christine Baranski was the original, mm-hmm. I really had that in my head because she's so specific for
3: sure, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Um, and one of my favorite actresses of all time, and she, uh, I was just expecting that kind of thing, but she plays it more how and forgive me if this is uh negative but I think this is a a, a big uh, uh, compliment it's kind of how I think CJ would play it oh, Chloe wow.
3: yeah she's actually the one role out of all of these shows that I was like I want to give that one a try yeah
0: it's like very I I don't take I take that as a huge compliment okay good but she does know. a great <laughs> job but she gives it this force that I know Christine Baransky wasn't bringing because Baransky brings that. You know, you've seen her in Chicago. You've seen her in um, fucking Birdcage. Everything she does, she's got that perfect face and that upturned nose. The and housewifey
3: that just, type of. Yeah, and feel. she's good at being yeah.
0: sort of the like. Look down on you, feel bad for you, but also be like. It's almost like the role was written
3: for her a little bit. Yeah. Oh
0: well. So- it was. It was. It, liter- it, literally, was. Okay. it literally
2: was. And yeah. I think that, uh, and now that this can of worms has been opened, I literally think that that is, haunts the play and haunts any other productions of sure. it hmm. because I, that character is so, it may be one of the hardest characters ever because you think, ah, uh, this is funny. But you can't sustain it for two and a half hours. No, no I... Half hours. And the productions that I've seen of it, you want to kill the actress playing her oh, yeah, half an hour. It's done. You're out. It just is too much. It's too big. Yeah. No, I want to try it. I
3: smelled what she was stepping in the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's
2: it's it's tough because she's also... It's weird because he wrote it for her. He wrote it for Baransky, And she's yeah. the perfect person to to find those layers and shit, but it's the Did one. Did you character- ever watch
0: Sybil? Yeah.
2: She's fantastic. Sorry, Scott. Oh. She's so good on. <laughs> no, anyway, so anyway, go ahead.
0: Sorry. That's like my one <laughs> big. Yeah, go ahead. But
2: no, no, I was just going to say that it's the, it's the slightest arc of all the characters. None of the characters have huge arcs, yeah. but hers is, is a, on, a, on, on, it's it's a very slight
3: I arc. think her arc is all internal, to be honest. Like most of it is internal. I yeah, that I character I, fascinated me. I want to try it someday. It is.
2: And um and I I I think that like I said, I think that it the other characters seem to be fine and there's other actresses that I'm I, I, I can think of that can do it and CJ you kill it. Um but it's <laughs> It's a really, really hard character. And yeah. because even just reading it again, and I'd read it, I've read it multiple times, but reading it again, I, 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 I wanted, I, I like the whole shut up, Chloe, shut up, Chloe. Like I was like, I don't want her to come on stage. And I don't want her, I don't want to hear her do any more French. I don't want to like, please yeah. don't do it anymore. Um, listen so to, yeah, it's a, it's a listen hard Listen to actor.
0: the LA theater works one because Kristen brings this, likable comedy to it because she's doing and this is why I think how I think CJ could could take it on is there's this sort of like hey I'm just a great everything's fine I'm great and it's funny and I was laughing throughout like I had moments, laugh yeah absolutely and it makes you kind of feel for her and then the first time she broke out for the aside to be like I just was asking them if they wanted food. I don't like it's kind of a simple answer. The way she did it was so different than the person she was putting out. Right. That I was like, oh, I really feel for this inner person. So maybe that's the trick is the inner monologues. You really need to love her. Yeah. So that you don't fucking hate her. it's It's a
2: hard character, but it's one that will steal the show.
0: Yeah.
3: This is also why I appreciated her a lot too. Maybe it's because I can identify with it. And it's something that I've seen particularly in my mother is the French thing, the reason why she was doing that is because she was dying for someone to say, oh, is that French? You speak French? Wow, that's amazing. Oh, did you make that? Oh, thank you so... Like, she was just waiting for someone to be kind to her or She's impressed by She's playing go fish her. with
0: compliments, yeah. Yeah,
3: it, I, it, but then, of course, it comes off as annoying. It comes off as pompous, and I just, boy, her character was so tragic to me, and I loved it.
0: It's also early signs of, like, Munchausen, though. You know what I mean? Whereas, <laughs> sure. Like, I need, no, I don't mean that. I don't mean, like, your mom has Munchausen. I'm not saying that. I just no, mean, no, 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 I know. That's, that's the, the slippery slope, is that then you start getting into, like, well, if I can't get it from the things I say, I'll have to lie or do other th- weird, awful things. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, we should say, because we talked about it, um, this was written originally for uh, McNally wrote it for Christine Baranski, Nathan Lane, and Anthony Held. And then there was a fourth person which who did not end up in it, and it, it ended up being played by Susie Kurtz. Ms. Kurtz took over the role when Kathy Bates was unable to do it. Yeah. What? That would have been a phenomenal show. We, no, Nothing wait. Nothing against Swoozy Kurtz, but... Because yeah. she's what? great. I love her. She's phenomenal. Yeah.
3: Where do I know Swoozy Kurtz from? Um,
0: just a um,
2: hundred million things. Yeah, I... A hundred million things. She's one of those... I she's always been doing think stuff of, since the 70s.
0: Yeah, this is so stupid and not a good... Um, uh you know one to pull from my hat but the one i always think of is she's in bubble boy <laughs> she's in bubble boy she's I like his crazy she's... mom or something in bubble boy she's in liar liar she was um, in
3: some tv show that my parents watched all the pushing time Pushing daisies no Pushing
0: daisy sisters
2: she was, she was in pushing
0: daisies she was on huff she was in sisters she was on mike and molly uh, Wait,
3: keep talking, and I'm I'm looking on IMDb. I'm she's in
0: Dangerous Liaisons, down. Stanley and Iris, <laughs> Citizen Ruth. These are her movies.
3: I just I feel like she was a face of the '90s that I saw all over. the Absolutely, place she's all
0: over the place. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah, we love she her. She Started
2: off as as sort of an ingenue. Yeah and they kind of grew into a great character actress. She's yeah. from
0: Omaha, Nebraska. She also was, she did like Ah wilderness revival and um, Ugh, also Blue that. Leaves. Cool. I think she was the original House of Blue Leaves instead of- um, oh, You might be it, right. It was meant to be- uh, Really? It was meant to be uh, Rue McClanahan, yeah. I believe. Right. And then she couldn't do it, so Susie Kurtz did it, and then Rue McClanahan did it at the Pasadena Playhouse. And she played
3: the mom. though. no, did she play the same character? No,
0: no. I think I think she played. You sent me that interview on the
3: Joan Rivers show.
0: Yeah, that was kind of cool. Anyway, we've gone off on Susie Kurtz, but I think it would have been really cool if Kathy Bates had been in this one. She wasn't able to do it; totally understandable. Um, She was
2: blowing up at that point, like right? Yeah, she already got the Oscar.
0: I will say, though, like we were talking about Baranski, kind of her her specter looms over this show a little bit because of how phenomenal she is. And she won the drama desk for it. Um, And it's yeah. So, you know, she's and that was for off Broadway. That was right. Like that. You know, I mean, like that's pretty amazing. Um, And Nathan Lane is someone who you would assume would do that to a role. He's, he, cause he's kind of done that to the producers. You can't really do mm. um, uh, Bialystok without giving it a little bit of Nathan, Lane. <laughs> Yeah, right? You can't even really do zero, Monstella. it doesn't work for the musical. You have to give it that like, uh, you know, pulling at the collar, uh, kind of the way he does everything because he's Nathan line you know, and it's, yeah. and it's great. It's and it, a it's good perfect. one, it's a good one. Well done, buddy. Thanks, yeah. it was not bad. Um, but I feel like, well, when I did producers, I had three days to learn the show because they, Fuck. I, they, this is oh god, why am I digressing? I'm gonna say it, we can cut it out. I Uh, I had to learn producers in three days because they fired the guy who's playing Bialystok because they found out that he couldn't leave the state of California for uh, pedophilic reasons. And so I ended up having to learn it during their tech in Reno. I stayed in Reno and I ended up just doing a Nathan Lane impression because I was like, I can't come up with a whole new take on this dude. Like, I'm just going to do Nathan Lane. And it was probably offensive, if you want the truth. But I did it. I went for it. I gave it that little bit of like New York Jewish yeah yeah thing, and it was it was good but he's was fine. um
2: yeah it's funny that, that the rest of the other character and let's talk about anthony held real quick because everybody forgets yeah. about anthony held sure um do you know who anthony held is cj do no you... i, I...
3: What, he's on the front of the cover of the play and i was like i've seen this man before
2: he's probably most famous sadly for playing the warden of of um in silence of in the lambs. silence
0: of the lambs oh okay he's the but he, he's also in red dragon he's
2: also in red dragon
0: they, playing the same they character. brought him back in red dragon yeah it's that's a pretty solid little role but he was i always think of him on um he was the judge on the practice
2: he was yeah and he's yeah. He does, he's done a lot of t- i mean he's another one of those you know fantastic just sort of workman journeyman actors that just keeps going and going and going yeah when you
0: look at his filmography though his all of his um (laughs) character names are pretty funny because he's like in silkwood and you're like whoa oh that's cool and then it's like second doctor at the union meeting (laughs) (laughs) and by that time orphans wow that's pretty cool oh man in park two meanwhile he's got off
2: broadway and broadway credits going on it's you know yeah Hollywood. He's also
0: I remember he's in um the last stand uh, X-Men th- uh uh 3 <laughs> the last stand he's he interrogates Mystique at one point point. <laughs> right. and you're sort of like oh that's that's that guy that's held <laughs> why is he in this one scene and then he gets killed by her. um good times uh anthony held's great Uh, i wish i could have seen a production of this that would have been pretty cool yeah
2: there's clips and stuff but i don't think they ever at least that i could not find any um of the whole thing and um roundabout
0: theater was gonna do a production of it directed by joe menteo who oh
2: this is an interesting story uh,
0: this is crazy so that was gonna star megan Mullally as chloe uh,
2: who would have i think could have pulled it off and done Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: it. she's definitely in that vein. But then Lily Taylor as Sally, one of my oh, favorite actresses of she's all She's
2: fantastic. Time. She's fantastic.
0: I love Lily Taylor. Uh, And then uh Patton Oswalt was going to make his Broadway debut, which he had done little to no stage. Yeah. Uh Do you Stan's- know the story, Scott? Or do you want me to y- tell it? I that
2: that Megan Mullally basically went and said fire him because he's he he doesn't have the chops to do this and they were <gasps> no. they, they wouldn't, wouldn't do it. They wouldn't fire him, so she quit and then the whole thing <gasps> fell apart. At and they just didn't oh. do it because
0: she was kind of the reason it happened. It was sort of like, Well, who's the new Boransky? Mullally let's go. You know. I see. And uh yeah. It just didn't and he
2: happen. He in theory would have been you're good at it like uh, uh, i because i loved him in young adult and um his more dramatic stuff has been great and i'm a huge fan of of him but but yeah and it's i think it's 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 one of those interesting stories and and uh in terms of writing for actors and writing for a specific group of actors and um how that can greatly impact the trajectory and the longevity of the show. Because like I said, I've, I've seen, seen two full productions and if one of them is off by even an inch, like it, it all kind of tumbles apart and like, you can't, you can't do it slow. You can't like, you know, he's pretty, McNally's pretty good about telling you when to put, foot on the brake and and do a hard turn and that kind of thing but yeah but on the page i really was struck by it this time and specifically like the metaphor there were a couple things that happened that he puts in very early on literally on the first page chloe has a line that says sometimes i wonder who we're really talking to and yeah. i'm like that's the play that's yeah that's the play that's the thesis and it's right there page one sure and and then pretty quickly uh there's the it's it's a quote there's a a quote about moby dick and uh, oh apparently (laughs) the whale is just a whale and not a metaphor like uh uh, he's reading the paper but then you turn right around and she's watching the swimmer and immediately there is nothing but metaphor being thrown at you you know from Uh, from the swimmer and the significance of the pool, the reoccurrence of water. And we were talking about rebirth and, and cleansing and, and, and it's magnificent in, in in the, the, well, you have the conflict, like you have the fight between the guys and all that, but it's, it's kind of a straight line. It's, it's a meditation and you're, you, you have to get drawn in by the, by a performance of it. Yeah, uh, to really enjoy and feeling like you're part of the of the thing. It's also ironic that it's an AIDS play that doesn't have any gay characters.
0: That's true, I, and I it, think that's off, kind of the purpose of it, right? It's the it's the ancillary people. It's the it's the tertiary people on the outside who are witnessing it, which is actually weirdly the uh, majority right yeah, yeah and probably most of the people seeing the show which is yeah, the sure. best part is that it's a mirror right so you have mostly those kinds of people seeing this show and i mean they literally to the point where she is constantly quoting uh musical theater and broadway she, you know one of the first things she does is talk about guys and dolls and yeah. uh uh sue me sue me shoot yeah. bullets through me i love you and moves on you know and you're like oh, I like her. She gives these kind of fun, you know, it's like easy actually maybe at the beginning to kind of want to be friends with these people. Pretty quickly, though, they're saying some things that uh, I don't agree with that uh, maybe yeah. I wouldn't say even in small company. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's it's just kind of weird. Not like, now. Yeah, like, well, go that ahead, my
3: overall feeling of this too was like first the first thing that struck me. So it's supposed to be uh, 1990, 4th of July weekend. And yeah. I kept thinking like, these are my parents. My parents, right. granted they weren't New Yorkers, they were Midwesterners, but my parents, if we weren't doing a big family vacation with a bunch of other families, we, le- we were left at grandma's and they were going and doing vacations like this. And it's this whole, I almost think, and especially Scott, after hearing all of the great background work that you did, the whole thing of like, oh, if we didn't have McNally, we wouldn't have all this other stuff. Because I kept thinking like, this is a quaint vintage period play talking about the gay community and how people react to it and the AIDS crisis, because now people are pushing it even further, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's
0: interesting. We're like kind of finally talking about it and things, but it's like the, the, the gay men that inhabit fire Island, which fire Island it for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, look it up, but it's, it's a Island, like uh, a little bit off the coast of long island right it's like you can Mm kind of see it from long island and it's it has become sort of a safe haven a sanctuary um for uh, gay individuals seeking uh you know solace after the horrible things that were happening to them in new york and whatnot Mm -hmm. and in their culture and then you know when the aids crisis happened and things there was it swept fire island because it was yeah. you know and and you had a lot of death there and then there were probably a lot of these things happening a lot of uh, family members coming to get the houses and being left houses and being left things and, and then being like look out. at the
3: gay people next door
0: well so that's the thing is the gay men are aliens to them right they're, they're aliens to them even though they are the intruders right. the and they're they're
2: right? they're they're the aliens they're
0: right the ones but, that are but dropped they in feel there. more right to be there right and and that's sort of the point of it all is they're complaining about neighbors playing music it's Fourth of july first of all so shut the fuck up about <laughs> music but it's like they're complaining about neighbors making noise and shit as if there should be some sort of um hetero sensibility that they aren't conforming to here in fire island like Right. Oh, this is this is weird. They're being this is different, you know, whatever. And it, the whole play and like watching these four people uh, sort of talk about the culture and things like that. It kind of, obviously, it it remind it. It's that thing where they're saying he's saying he's putting up a mirror and he's saying, "You don't be these people. Be the people who are actually reaching out and helping." We have to actually try,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it kind of
0: reminds me. I kept thinking about this and maybe this is off off completely, but I just kept thinking about like the current wave of appropriation of the LGBTQ community that's sort of going on right now in terms of, most specifically like ball culture, um, which has been popularized recently by like drag and drag race and th- those kind of things. Pose. Pose. Legendary mm-hmm. is a great show mm-hmm. on HBO yeah. that actually is ball culture in a show and it's awesome. And, and those shows are those are great. I'm so glad that they're getting... Um, live. Madonna did Vogue, you know, mm-hmm. in the 90s, and that blew up, and that was what... Um, or 80s? Was it was 89, something like that. It was and late it, 80s, um, early 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that really brought ball culture to the mainstream. But now we're stepping into a weird thing where we're starting to... It's becoming so mainstream that we're actually stepping into, like, a weird appropriation of it, and people are starting to do drag that really have never been part of the culture. And there's a beauty to that. I am not stepping on any, I'm not even really saying anything negative, but it's happening. It's there. Right. It's definitely
2: like this tricky, tricky line because part of you wants to go right on, let it spread. (laughs) Yeah. Let it, let 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 more people accept it because, right. but But also it's a culture that was born out of horrible
0: things and the reason that they needed to band together to create ball culture was to pretend and escape and create theater ball culture maybe we'll do a fucking in stuff on just like ball culture i'll make you guys watch legendary because it's like the whole point is like become something else become something that this world would accept become something that you know what i mean and it's it's so beautiful and everybody needs to watch uh paris is burning the documentary if you haven't seen it that's uh the first time that somebody really documented uh, ball culture i have it in the the criterion edition dvd up here it's the fucking shit (laughs) i've gone in like 30 digressions today so i apologize (laughs) no Um, not at all but
2: no because it's, it's 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 really a great point because and Bransky had a quote. I don't. I don't have it, but I. I read it. Where, it, it just in an interview while she was doing the show, she was talking about heterosexual responsibility. Yeah. During the AIDS crisis and, yeah. and what that all, what that's all about, and and this haunting. We should say that, we, and we haven't. I don't think we've said it, but the pool. Uh, there's a pool at this house, and everybody keeps talking about the pool and walking around the pool, but nobody gets in the pool and it doesn't really come to fruition until later that everybody's afraid to get in the pool because David, Sally's brother who owned the home died of AIDS. So they're all worried about it. And there becomes this, this, um, it's a, it's a funny scene. It's a tense scene. It's an angry scene where they start splashing water where she starts splashing water and then she she gets some in her mouth and and they're all dunking their heads in and all that kind of stuff and uh it's a it's a wonderful metaphor I, and it's I, I found it to be actually quite lovely when they all kind of accepted that and kind of all got wet so to speak in the pool
0: right but there is until then there is this flippancy about david in general there's always this sort yeah. of like oh david is oh, great yeah. he's fine i barely met him but like he was fine do you think he'd care if like i bet his boyfriend stole all of his shit i mean he's dead so it's fine and right. there's that kind of constant flippancy that is mm-hmm. oh just like kicks he in the gut every time they do it and yeah you're just like, absolutely Fuck these yeah. People. well people <laughs>
2: Go
3: ahead. May, Siege. may I share a quote? Yeah. The Chloe line. I know I'm not supposed to say normal straight is the word I'm supposed to use. I hate it. It sounds like a ruler and heterosexual is just plain ugly. I hate all those O words. And it is reminded me because it's been happening a ton lately. The groups that I've been in or the meetings that I've gone to, and they ask everyone to go around and say their pronouns. And uh, like cisgendered people have are uncomfortable with it. And that's what that line reminded me of, of it's just like it's, you know, just say it. You're you're helping other people to feel welcome.
0: Their thought is sort of like, well, isn't it obvious? And our intention in asking it is not anymore, and mm-hmm. it never really should have been. We societally decided that at some point. Right. But no. Like it it like you can have a beard and be a woman. Like it doesn't there's no an or a present female like it doesn't None of that matters. So when somebody does get a little bit like, well, <laughs> I'm a, I'm just guy, a human. <laughs> so I'm obviously a he. We're always like, well, it's not obvious anymore. It's, so yeah. don't, we don't need that reaction right. from you. Because if you just said. He, him, we'd all move the fuck on and never think about it again. But because you took the time to be like, I have pride about this that I'm not showing, but I'm also, but also you don't have fucking pride about it. Or you would say, I'm a he, him. I'm very proud to be a man. And here's why. But that's not how they present it. They present it as like, it's obvious. So why would you even ask me?
3: Why am I doing this new thing that makes me uncomfortable?
2: Right.
0: How dare you ask me to change? I'm 50. (laughs) <laughs>
2: it, 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 it's, it's yeah it's absolutely generational and uh, social and no you're right it's it and i i found that the most moving stuff for me is sally's talking about her brother sally yeah. talking about david and like and then they get into the whole thing because she's you find out she's pregnant and and all that and and I, and it's a, it's it's a lovely catharsis when the Sam and Sally are like, you know, well, if they're if, if the baby's gay, we'll love it no matter what. And um, but the struggle for that, you know, and and also, you know, we can't forget that it's 1990. I think that that might be the biggest challenge about doing the play is that you couldn't set it today. Like the, right. the, the, the ignorance and the dopiness and the uh and the commentary we we've moved so far beyond that you could put
3: it in and, my hometown in 2021 i was gonna <laughs> like, well, that's like that's what a
2: but the place is as important to this as anything else true, true. Sure. there's a, Our true. There's a side else. to
0: this though where it's like yeah you couldn't update it but you, there's almost this like i i would i would want to sh- change aids to something else at some point or something but then it's also it, that diminishes the original point of the play and i i, I don't want to ever do that um or diminishes the the horrifying uh uh thing that is hiv aids and i would never want to do that but it, speaking of like aids plays right we've we kind of brought that up earlier and i think there's a lot a lot of times we go like aids plays because obviously this was going on just like the pandemic i'm sure there's going to be a 100 <sighs> pandemic plays it it breeds art and it breeds people yeah. like needing to cathart all over the place. you know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> catharting, well, uh, in your face.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the rise, the rise of those plays it started in like what, 82, 83, we got yeah. like the boys
0: in the band and boys as, in the band as normal is heart,
2: normal heart. Um,
0: but then and- you also have things that, and I, I, You know, obviously rent is later, but Mm -hmm. things where we just like go, that's an AIDS play, that's an AIDS, and we diminish it like that, and I think we Mm -hmm. shouldn't. But there are some plays that came out of that. Specifically, one I always think of is Anatomy of Grey. It's a phenomenal play that never says the word. Who wrote that? I forget. I've been in it. It's behind me somewhere. Um, I don't know. It's not somebody. Yeah, we took it to KCACTF to the Irene Ryan Festival, and we did we we performed it there in front of the whole festival. It got brought, um, nice. from Hogwarts. And it was, it's please tell me who that was written by. I'm going to feel terrible that I, I don't know. Um, Jim Leonard Jr. Yes. And he, it, that's his reaction to losing his partner to AIDS, but it never says the word AIDS so sad. and it uses water as well, where it's about a town who, uh, this man comes in and he's Jewish. Gary, and- Indiana. Indiana. Gary yes Gary Indiana and it's uh this but it's like you know 18 something or 19, early 1900s or something and the uh sorry I got sirens behind me guys is <laughs> burning to the ground um but we uh uh my ADHD is freaking out right now I can't concentrate
3: Anatomy of Gray Anatomy of
0: Gray It's basically about this town where this Jewish man comes into town they've lost a doctor and he's come in and he's like I can be your new doctor And they're like, okay, but you're Jewish and different. We don't know what that means. And that's kind of weird. And then all of a sudden people start dying of this like plague and they don't know why. And they start going, it must be him. (gasps) It must be him. Mm. And they blame it completely on him. And then it turns out it's the water running through the town and that the town above them has been putting shit in the water on accident and it's been killing these people. So, but the metaphor of it at the end of the day is like, there was this panic about homosexual people all of a sudden because of the AIDS crisis because it, yes, it was rampant in those areas, but it's not that it wasn't just homosexuals. It wasn't just gay men getting this disease, right? Mm-hmm. There were right. P- all types of people as especially, you know, um, needle users and, and things like that. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, but we, we, kind of created this panic, which already existed, Ronald Reagan and all the other shit, um, but like where we started saying like, well, it's them. They're plagued. God's doing this. There was a lot of that, especially right. in the Midwest and the South. Oh, God, and, yeah. and it... it I mean that did huge damage. We we still are dealing, I think, with the damage that that did. Absolutely. And obviously, we're still in the shadow of nine eleven. We're still we're mm-hmm. going to be in the shadow of the pandemic for a long time. But I feel like we're still in the shadow of the AIDS crisis sometimes, based on the way that we're still talking about it. Well, we and haven't talked about it STDs either. and no. Well, and that's the worst part is that you know we solved COVID how fast? Right. 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 Wow. Well, sort of yeah. Like, that's a good point. Yeah, and it's sort of like, what are we doing? Like, what what is all that money going towards? Because it sounds like we could f- probably figure it out quicker. And I've read a lot of things, and maybe it's conspiracy theory, maybe it's not, I don't know, it seems legit. Just about, like, how we, you know, w- there are ways to do it. We're just not doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. it's
0: kind of obvious, and we're just not doing it because we're like, well, that's kind of over with, right? And it's like, no. Mm-mm. Actually, no. It's <laughs> yeah. deeply not. Yeah. Um. I know someone who has H- HIV. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? A, like, I a, that's insane. I got a few,
2: I got a few friends. That, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I've had I've I know people who have passed from AIDS as well. But like Same. specifically yeah. right yeah. now, I know someone who's dealing with that. And it's like and they and it was recent. It's not like this is something that is we're, we're dealing with because people are being born with it constantly because of the AIDS crisis. It's like, no, this is still a thing that we haven't tackled. I have. Uh, Broken this soapbox I've stand stood on it so long. Um, <laughs> no man, I'm it's a worthwhile soapbox. No, I worthwhile. mean, all wild. that to say, like I just think lumping things and to go back to my original point, lumping things into like AIDS plays it can seem diminishing, and I we're not doing that. Is my no. point
2: um,
0: uh, that's all. no, and and
2: and and McNally <laughs> doesn't do that either. Either like no, yeah, you because know, no. ultimately I feel like this play, um, and I have a question for you guys about it. Ultimately, I feel like it, it's it's really about mortality. It's about not just the the, the big picture. It, it it's all four of these characters dealing with. You've got John who's got cancer, who's keeping it quiet until it's revealed. Yeah, you know, you've got Sam and Sally that are dealing with um, a maybe a child, maybe not a child. They've certainly dealt with miscarriage and stuff. Yeah, and. and so that kind of, you know, it's a meditation. And and that quote that I found and and mentioned earlier, that McNally's view of theater was that it was a bridge between religion and race and gender and sexual orientation and all that. And there's this there's so many layers to the show. And one of the things I really loved with were these were the scenes where they're talking off stage to the neighbors Mm. and as they're getting to know them and as they're getting invited and you slowly quietly start seeing there's a little bit of a breakdown between things like the the flags get thrown onto the thrown from the neighbor's house for the 4th of July fireworks. Right. Sam's like, thank you. Like, he's like, you know, he's, he's, he, it's, it's not about grand, huge catharsis. It's about these tiny, little steps within ourselves within yeah. our, our, our relationships with our lovers and families. And then with these new people that now you're a part of and, and yeah. Uh, so there's, there's so much of it. Do you, I felt like this play was Chekhovian. And I, I think they even yeah. mentioned at one point that it's just so very Chekhovian that the and once you kind of accept that and kind of, figure out where, you know, where he's going with it.
0: It It feels um, born out of the seagull mm, in a way. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah, right. People just sitting around uh, outdoors talking kind of thing, you know, and and there's art thrown into the discussion, but it's not really part of it kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, I absolutely felt that. And you're right, really early on, I think somebody says like, Chekhov would be proud of what you just or yeah. so, you know right yeah and it's like oh this is so Chekhovian it's it It lives right in that kind of pocket of and and weirdly I kept thinking of Vanya Sonia Masha and Spike which also <laughs> is obviously Chekhov. it has that kind of like four people just in a room going you know yeah. Um, just in a different vein yeah absolutely I felt that completely
3: I thought John had a great monologue in Act Two, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but I thought it was like the perfect representation of like white male impotent rage.
0: Is it the one that he's talking about um the things he can't say to her and how he wants to fuck It He goes on for a couple and...
3: pages. Yeah. It's just it's brutal and Is it the also... one I
0: did at the beginning of the episode? It probably. was brilliant.
3: <laughs> it's probably part of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh Loved and then, it. then the end of the play uh we should discuss before we move on is that uh sort of state of America right now they're singing the fireworks are going off um they've the, they're singing oh beautiful is that what yeah, yeah 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 mm-hmm. something like that, and it is it's just that kind of final moment of like and this is this is America right now and Fire Island is like reeling and they're kind of like screaming like, Oh, beautiful. America's great. And they even, there's a line. There's a lot. I should have written it down where they actually say, man, America used to be great. Yeah. And Sam says that at one point. Yeah. Another one's like, when and he's like, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> there's a, there's a,
2: there's a great exchange between, um, Chloe and Sally. Chloe says, uh, I think these are terrible times to be a parent in. And Sally responds with, I think these are terrible times to be anything in. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. But it, 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 so there's that cynicism that comes out of all the, of their individual experiences and what's going on. And then there's just this little bit of hope. It's almost like a breeze that that's at the end of the play that, yeah, you, you 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 hope that that Sam and Sally get to have a have a kid. You hope that Chloe gets to you know, yeah, ha- have her experience. That John gets to be a little bit better. That he heals and and all that. And that there's. Boo, I
3: don't like John.
2: I think, but but you, but <laughs> here's I like John the
0: thing, more
2: than Sam. I don't like either of them. I don't much. either. You're right. <laughs> I no, I disagree. Uh, I think that that what John John's point, what John's character does is I'm an asshole. I'm never going to change. You're going to have to deal with it.
0: I hate that person,
2: but, but (laughs) there's a change in that at the end, like that, that there's an evolution of that. And the same with Sam, Sam's just an everyman. That's why that character exists. So that little step becomes
0: huge. I've talked to you guys about my theory about, different people the brick wall people the climbers and the juggernauts
2: yeah oh yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. and it's that it's that John is a brick wall person he's decided well I'm an asshole you're not gonna change me and the fact that he is able to climb a little bit at the end and see over the wall is is what makes him redeemable at the end absolutely right Um, we should say I mean to me, what this play is about, and then I think we should move on because we've been going. Um, what I think this is truly about is the fact that the hetero community during the AIDS crisis did little to nothing yeah. and just sort of talked about it. It was on the news a lot and they were sort of like, mm, dang, you know, and, and they then, were
3: scared of hugs and toilet seats.
0: Right. Exactly. Right. And And only now in 2021 are we actually even having discussions about the definition of allyship and what does it mean to be an ally to the people who are going through something that is, that is horrifying, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, th- it's just interesting that we always talk about, you know, uh, playwrights are the Cassandras of our, of our yeah. uh, community. And they are, they, he's just is 9- 1990. And he's talking about this shit. And we, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, <sighs> He's brilliant. I I really liked this play. I don't know how y'all felt about it. I really liked this yeah, play. Really, I yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a good fucking play. Uh and then oh, and then the final thing about it is that it reminded me of Melancholy Play, where Melancholy play is all about you should go get the 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 people out of the depression. You should go you should go save them. it is our duty to go get them, to mm-hmm. save the almonds. And mm-hmm. I agree with this. I think that is what Terrence is saying by the end of it. Anyway, I've I shit myself so I'm going to move on. Um
2: Whoa. Yeah, it's it's
0: gross. I I can smell it. Um, oh. It's from oh. the carrot. It's oh from my. the dirty <laughs> carrot. <laughs> it's from <laughs> the dirt. The the dirty, is, carrot. Yeah, dirty carrot. Yeah, fuck that. the dirty carrot. Um okay so i don't think we should get too deep into it because i have a lot i think we're gonna have to say about this so let's just yes. pick it up we'll introduce it we'll break it down break it down and then we'll we'll give it like a, a couple sentences and then move off of it and say goodbye because this has been a really awesome episode on yeah this yeah maybe. um but nice the next work, one guys. nice work guys the next one is <laughs> one of the librettos that he wrote uh for a musical which is the 97 Uh, 96 96. 96. 96 is when it had its uh,
2: world premiere in Toronto and then it had the Broadway debut in 97. After, it should be stated, uh, the U.S. premiere was at the Schubert Theater in Los Angeles. But the show
0: is called Ragtime. And they (laughs) played Ragtime are you
2: guys familiar with Aerosmith's uh, song Ragdoll? ragdoll living thank you CJ it's why Good I love ones, you. right it's literally yeah I think yeah I think so I think it's from the album pump so I'm oh, all I'm saying
3: okay
0: is that, think, front, it, is that also in the Ragtime soundtrack? Is that where yes, you're it gonna... is. Totally. And so
2: like every time I would I would walk by and like would see it, you know, see it in my notes or on the iPad or something, I would go, Ragtime, living an animal. Oh, my oh, God. Like, I got to listen to that a, as soon uh, as uh, I get uh, off of here. I don't think you want to. It's a horrible song. And it, But I grew well, up in that it, part of the Midwest where everyone loved Aerosmith. You know what, it, you know what the song's about, right? Yeah. No. It's about having sex with a girl and her period. Oh God damn it! Daddy's mean... little cutie,
0: you're so fine, rag doll, yeah. back door man. Uh, yeah, Hot it's time It's not easy.
3: Why are? Why be scared of periods?
0: Don't mind. Come.
2: I'm myself. not. I am just saying Y'all like fed on I'm, that
3: for nine
0: months. No, the,
2: the whole song is a celebration <laughs> I think of it. It's a celebration of like <laughs> it's you can celebration
0: fuck... of getting your red wings. No, he's yeah. he's saying you can have sex when she's on her period because you can't get her pregnant, and let's celebrate that. And that's I a like a
3: uh, <laughs> I like calling it murder there's, sex. There's um,
0: there's no sex. there's no
2: there's no charm to the murder sex. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Anyway, ragtime. Um sorry ragtie so y'all i i purposely didn't tell you how i feel about this i'm really excited to hear um what y'all's thoughts are but before we get too deep into it cj yeah break it down do it CJ's
1: Breakdown.
3: Tracking three diverse families working towards the American dream in the shitty and dangerous, for some, melting pot of the turn of the century New York, Ragtime confronts the bullshit contradictions of American reality. Experiences of wealth and poverty, freedom and prejudice, hope and despair. The worlds of a wealthy white couple, a Jewish immigrant father and his motherless daughter, and an African American ragtime musician intertwine a tale of white saviordom. White?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of that. That's for sure. That Give um, you a flavor
3: of how I felt about it.
0: Sure.
2: <laughs> it should be said it's based on a novel by 1975. 75 by E.L. Doctorow.
0: And there is uh, a movie, and there's uh, a movie that was made b- based on the novel as well. A few years before this, Milos Forman did it. Milos.
2: It was the film right before Amadeus.
0: But, right. Yes. Uh, but but then it was uh adapted from the book by Terrence McNally. The libretto was not from the movie. Uh, The movie, the movie takes more. A bunch of liberties. The show is remarkably faithful to the novel uh, to a point where it doesn't work because it's trying to up. It doesn't update things. Mm. So like you said, the white savior, dumb and things are things that, um, I do happen to know that, like, the Playhouse did it uh, last year. It ended up winning all those ovations. It was
3: huge. It was huge. I remember people were dying to see it.
0: Directed by the phenomenal David Lee. And the reason is, and this is something the Playhouse is going to be doing from now on. This is sort of our new thing, is, like, new takes on these shows. So they did some book work. And uh, McNally approved it. And it was all very um, collaborative with him and changed a lot and gave some better arcs and story. I don't know that it was uh, a ton of new lines as much as cuts and hmm. um, diversions of who's Let me new-
2: ask you this. Was the music the same?
0: Yeah, for the okay. most part.
2: Well, then there's not too much you can do with it. Boom. That's my little, that's my little, <laughs> going to my here's here. Here's ragtime for me. Ready? Okay. Are you ready for it? That Henry Ford, he sure did do a lot of racism with his cars. That Harry Houdini, he sure is a successful magician. like
0: yeah so (laughs) we should say this the show does start with this big opening number that is kind of considered one of the big major opening numbers of musical theater um and it's and it is it's a good opening number because you know it starts out kind of weird everybody's introducing themselves in third person which is weird (laughs) yeah you're kind of like oh okay and it takes you actually it took me 'Cause I, I've never seen this show. I didn't see it on at the playhouse, so I don't right. know. Um, I was sitting there going like Are they introducing me to other people or themselves? Like you have no idea what you're just kinda like huh. Yup. Yes. Aww. And they're giving and they're giving these really weird um tidbits of info I don't give any fucks about. Like just, and then he went to college at this place and majored in and I'm like, I don't know what what's going on here. Um But then the the way that it's normally choreographed and the way that it sort of changes the composition of the music as you meet each culture really works. That is cool. And it sort of becomes actual ragtime when it goes into the black community. It goes into more of like um, uh, the Jewish kind of fiddler. Um klezmer yeah, when it gets to them that's an interesting part of it I think is is smart uh by the the music writing um but and I think that's why it holds up in the way it does, especially sure. when it be, they all mix together and it becomes contentious and things. however, I watched two different stagings of it that did nothing for me yeah, um when I listen to it, I'm sort of like, okay, I get it, but I I maybe I just need to see a better staging of it but I was I was uh, not as impressed by that opening number as I thought I was going to be based on its the way that people talk about it. Well, it, and
2: and and like, the hype and like
0: because I watched the Reputation
2: the, the Broadway version on YouTube and uh, we'll get into this more in part 2, but like the spectacle this was a show that was cr- created for it was a spectacle for the sake of spectacle, I feel. Was one of my final analysis of it, and if I had fifty people on stage who were all professional singers, I I could I could make a hell of an opening number too. Like sure. yeah. and so I, I agree. I do like the opening number. It 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 just never lives up to any of the promises that that opening number makes. Sure. Because.
3: Yeah, when I watched it, and I watched the North Carolina 2011 Thalian Theater version, which I will talk more about that in part two. And then I listened to the original Broadway cast with Audra McDonald singing her ass off. Yeah. Um, and what I took away from it uh, was I would love to be in the ensemble of this show, wear an old-timey costume, and sing in six different parts. Because I love shit like that. Sure. But that's kind of all I took away from it yeah, as it's a performer. Yeah, it's
0: a performer's dream for a lot of people. A lot of people covet these roles. They're, you know, it, the auditions I remember for The Playhouse were huge. I wasn't okay. even working there yet. I remember it just through the ether, people were talking about it. Um, I had like four or five friends in that show, actually. Um, mm. The girl who played the young Jewish daughter actually uh, was my Ariel when I directed The Tempest and was my, uh, at Shakespeare Youth Fest, and she was also my... um uh, Lavinia in uh, Titus Andronicus. Whoa. Movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Which we turned into a, Ta- a Sweeney Todd esque musical. That was Fuck. fucking great.
3: That's brilliant. One
0: of my favorite shows I've ever directed there. Um. Anyway, uh, I have a huge take on this show. Mm hmm. I'm gonna save it for next time, yeah,
3: yeah let's save, let's save it for all. Of I
0: them. think there's a lot, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about this thing. Um, my huge take is hilarious and goofy. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to talk about one thing, which is, um the fact that it is so remarkably faithful to the book that there are some things that really. Are, you know, they're meant to stick out, but that stick out kind of in the wrong way. Specifically, there's a lyric, I think in the opening number, uh, which goes, there were gazebos and there were no Negroes, which not only doesn't rhyme uh is offensive. horribly
2: horribly yeah. lyrics in here
0: and it reminded me it's directly out of the book all of those lyrics that you go Ugh, those are all directly from the book which uh, is the okay. problem yeah that's the one of the biggest problems and it reminds me of this is i've brought this up so many times i just i don't want people to i'm just kind of obsessed with the fact that this book and this thing is such a miss understood piece of literature, but Lolita, there was a musical of Lolita. True story. Mm. The person who played Lolita on in the musical was uh, Violet Beauregard from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate right. Factory, yeah, yeah, that little yeah. girl. And there is a l- lyric. Oh, by the way, music and lyrics by the same guy who wrote My Fair Lady, so you would expect it to be good. Mm. There is a actual lyric that goes... Who is that Viper that likes them post-diaper?
2: Ugh, God. Now... The, it's the, it's offensive on so many levels because that's... It's 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 offensive on so many levels. It's offensive <laughs> it's on, on so, so
0: many. many levels. And it's... And because people never... I, I, I don't
2: know if, if folks ever understood what that book was and uh,
0: no and there was also an edward Albee play that tried to kind of do it right and still didn't because Albee likes to just make things really perverse and whatever and it so it didn't do it right either and right and and that's why why it didn't survive um and neither did the musical the musical never went to broadway never made it uh too many people were like (laughs) because it was a comedy also it's like a huge musical comedy with like giant musical numbers and stuff and what the fuck yeah what the fuck? fuck um Anyway, I was just bringing that up because it, it it I kept thinking of that when listening to the songs mm, and yeah. watching it, I kept being like, God, it's like I don't need this. I don't need this musical like I, and maybe other people do. Yeah, uh, maybe it does things for communities and cultures that I don't understand. But when I'm watching it, a lot of what I'm thinking is um, that these are they're trying to symbolize three entire cultures through two or three people. Mm-hmm. right there's you you really and only focus pers- in well, on like and three, even get three enough black time. people yeah and well, you get, yeah. like one jewish guy and his daughter and it's like and they're supposed to represent an entire f- people community yeah and also community. by the way he's
3: famous by act two
0: right. yeah right. well well, and we'll rip apart act two that's i don't <laughs> it basically starts it starts fine everything's good and then they find a baby and then everything's sad my huge take on this which i'll give next time um I is going to make some people feel some things, but I, I, I don't want you to have to wait till next time. I really fucking hate this musical.
1: <laughs>
0: I really... I, I, what I was going to text y'all, I texted y'all um, do you guys want to hear my take or wait on it? What I was just going to text was, fucking boring! Like, just so boring. And like, I'm sure well, the P- Playhouse production was phenomenal if they got some things changed and whatever, but it's the,
2: the, I think the biggest thing is, and we'll get into it more in part two, is that it is a product. This was an assembly line product. They emphasize Henry Ford in it. I don't know why we're celebrating Henry Ford, yeah. but it, it feels constructed. And yeah. it'll be interesting when we talk about the Tonys and what it was yeah. up against and what won and what lost. And right. some of it is, and for your, think for me. Yeah, like, and next time I'm really like pumped. The,
3: Go ahead. I feel like it's the turn of the century musical version of the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's that. and just <laughs> as divisive. <laughs> I don't know. If it, I don't know if it's that.
2: I don't know if it's that bad. Oh, right. At there least are it, Porgs and Rise of Skywalker. There are there no were Porgs in two. Ragtime.
1: Yeah,
2: there, were. <laughs> there were. Yeah, but Ragtime at least tries to pretend like it's got some heart.
0: Yeah. Oh, Damn, I, we'll get into that. We've we've done our Star Wars episode, but I will say um, I'm really pumped to talk about I'm... Tony's about this thing. I'm ta- yeah. I'm, I'm, there's a couple rabbit holes I'm going to go down next episode about Audra McDonald and her Terrence McNally streak because it's awesome.
2: Ooh, okay, yeah, we'll talk
0: about it. Anything else we want to say today before I close this out?
2: Happy Memorial oh, Day. Yeah, we should do a oh, little. Right. We should Happy Memorial Day. Um, we should also do a little. <laughs> spotlight la spotlight uh again uh if you've been following us and following uh california and what's happening uh in terms of sb 805 it's state bill 805 um we've had some huge victories it's gotten through the senate and now it will go to uh, the assembly in two weeks what this means is a whole Unprecedented wave of funding for small theaters, not just in Los Angeles, who desperately needs it, but throughout the entire state, who also desperately needs it. Yep. Um, significant, like, life changing funding. Uh, So if you live in California, if you have friends and family in California, reach out to your state assembly person, urge them to vote uh, yes on SB 805. Um, It could really be an historic thing um, and and a a major, major change for um, California arts in general. So please support that if you can.
3: And then we'll be better than New York.
0: Yeah. And then hopefully theaters will be opening up June 15th is the day that things are going to be able to happen. So we're going to start uh, trying to hopefully people start announcing seasons in L.A. and we're we're super pumped. But thank you all so much for joining us for part one of pod together cast apart join us next week for part two where we will finish discussing ragtime and move on to Corpus Christi which I'm Ooh, really pumped to hear y'all really, really yeah. excited to talk um, after part two uh, we will have another bonus episode of theater theater and stuff uh, a CJ's pick what is it siege the film the great race the, yes. fil- the film You <laughs> was just
2: adorable like <laughs> Yeah, I can't it's wait to talk It's one of my favorite movies, it. y'all.
0: 1965, check it out. It's going to be awesome. And then normally I don't uh, announce this, but we're going to play a little game. I'm going to tell you the name of the next playwrights play, uh, miniseries, but not who the playwright is. <gasps> Here we go. Ooh. Our next playwrights miniseries will be called Pod of Carnage. Mm. If you know who that playwright is, you should DM us on our Instagram. Uh, and let us know who you think it might be. And first person to get us uh, in those DMs, we will say your name, <laughs> <laughs> we'll say your and view. then we'll ask
3: you to rate, review, and
2: subscribe. And then we'll yeah,
0: exactly. And yeah. then we'll come to your house, and um, we should record get at ha- your place. Record should, with you.
2: We we should get hats made so that a we can wear hats, but then yeah. also we can pass out some hats. I want Absolutely. a stocking cap. Okay, we (laughs) can get stocking out. See? Summertime, though.
3: (laughs) Uh, Do y'all have questions, comments? Uh, Do you have suggestions? Do you have corrections? Do you just want to tell us how you're doing and how much you like us? Please email us. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or
2: Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Scott. Thank you. Um, A big, huge shout out to the fantastic Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song. Um, Say it with me our, our theme, theme song is, song better,
3: is better than, than
1: your theme, theme song. song it's true Matter it's
2: factored. true also big shouts out big shouts, outs, shouts big outs. outs big shouts outs to pam quinn for writing our episode centric uh terrence mcnally special song that Yay. you are about to hear at the uh end of the yep. show and uh also big shout out to annie baker um, the Pulitzer Prize winning playwright who also writes our pro- podcast uh, although she might not be aware of it she she writes our podcast and one day Annie Baker we're gonna buy you a beer. Yes can't we wait. are.
0: Paps Blue Ribbon on me. Oh
3: man I can't wait until that actually happens and then we get to talk about it.
0: It's gonna happen. It's yeah.
3: gonna I'm not worried It's gonna worried happen. About it. it's if gonna
0: you want happen. it to happen you can help us out by going and rating, subscribing and reviewing all, or all three <laughs> or whatever you want. Follow us on, on the pod, all the things. We love you so much. We'll see you next week for part two. Sue me, sue me, shoot bullets through me. I love you. I love you. Yeah, yeah, sue me, sue me, shoot bullets through me. Yeah, yeah, what?
3: We need a drink. <laughs>
0: later
2: everybody
1: she runs she hides got a million names full of surprises this girl kills she thrills.
2: trust in her and end up dying for
1: her needs you'll bleed don't fall